Okay, if you can hear us right now, we're in the pre-show that should last about 10 seconds while we wait to confirm that YouTube is running. Um, this is behind-the-scenes access that our special live viewers and YouTube viewers get to see. Wait Congratulations. Beautiful picture of our mugs to show up so we can start. Just want to see our mugs. Maybe it won't happen. There we go. Seems like it's... Yep, okay. All right. Well, welcome. This is Push to Shout podcast episode 14, and uh, I am Skippy Sigmatic. I'm Brutalcom Powder. And uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about today. Um, some familiar topics, perhaps, but shit has come to light. Uh, <clears throat> you might have heard of an article called uh, can game can gaming's great women characters be written by men? Which is not a very good title, but you might have read this article or seen it. I recommend not reading it, but we're going to talk about that later. Uh, we're going to talk about Microsoft's new hologram thing that might have something to do with video games or might not. Uh, we might even mention Jonathan McIntosh clarifying his past actions. Uh, but first, we're going to start it off with Brutalcom Powder's week, so take it away. Well, I've had a pretty good week until I read a certain article today. But before that, I started playing Project M. That happened yesterday, actually. And have you heard of Project M? you probably heard of I've it. I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. Yeah, it's like a mod for Brawl, and it's a complete conversion. It changes all the mechanics to be almost identical to Melee in terms of the speed and the, the, you know, just this how the game works. It's way more like Melee, super fast. There's a mandatory, um, like, input lag in Brawl and also a buffer that, like, racks up attacks, so there's unintended shit all the time. Brawl's not a competitively viable game, but Project M is a mod that, that is. And surprisingly, it's the best online Smash experience you can possibly get. Like, I've, I've done online Wii U, from a pretty good connection, and even the best games still have like hugely noticeable input lag. There's they have like a mandatory pause in there, just built in. No matter how good the connection is, is it that's always to there. For, like, I think it's trying lag? to prevent desync, and to like, I don't think it does interpolation. Like a lot of um, FPS games, it'll interpolate um, the, like the way a character is moving. And um, that'll that'll figure out like whether you're shot connected or not. It's kind of strange, but what you see, if you click on somebody's head, the server might not think they're there. It's it's the whole process of compensating for lag that way is called interpolation. And I don't think Smash Four does that. And as a result, they have this built-in lag, just that where you press a button and it takes a second before it does anything. Project M for uh, Dolphin on the on the PC is the the least laggy Smash experience I've ever had. Like, it's it's really good. It's barely worse than local. It's it's honestly great. Um, I recommend everybody play Project M. I mean, technically, you do have to buy Brawl, but one, if you haven't played Brawl or own Brawl by this point, what are you doing? Two, you can just play it for free on your computer and buy the new Smash. Be a good boy. Can you use a, uh, can you attach a game GameCube controller to the PC? Well... They, it used to be kind of tough, and the adapters were expensive and kind of janky. 
But once Nintendo released their official adapter for Smash Wii U, it, it was very limited supply. Very few people got the actual, uh, the official adapter. But uh, some Chinese folks were able to reverse engineer the hardware and make like a generic version that'll allow you to plug GameCube controllers into you into your Wii U or your PC. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But I've been playing with a 360 controller, and it's been it's been working fine. Anything will work, really. It's great. So I recommend Project M to everybody. Also, I've been playing the Resident Evil remake. The remake of Resident Evil 1 just came out for PC. Have you picked that up yet? No. Have you played the first one? Never. I've never played a Resident Evil game. I hadn't played the first one either. I'd only played 4 when I was, like, little. Well, not little, like, I don't know, early teens or something. And, um... It, it's so cool. It, it's awesome. The atmosphere is great. Um, it, some of the controls feel a little strange, but you can forgive them because it's a game from, what, 1996 or 7 or whenever it came out. Whatever. PS1 game. Fixed camera angles. So, you know, you get that thing where you go to a new screen and the camera angle changes, but yeah. you're already holding the stick in a direction and it doesn't quite put you in the way. But it's such a minor issue. Overall, the atmosphere is... Basically unrivaled. I haven't played a game that atmospheric in ever. It's really good. I'm disappointed with myself that I hadn't played it before now. But um, yeah, I'm gonna have to finish that up. That's been really good. I actually live streamed it for a bit. That was fun. And I started watching a Netflix show, a Netflix original series, um, Orange Is the New Black. Oh right. Okay. I wouldn't recommend the show. <laughs> it's, it's okay, but it's got like the same problem that House of Cards has. Even if you haven't seen House of Cards, basically they know that the shows are going to be binge-watched because they release them in that format where they just put every episode up at once. They're well aware that this is how people watch it. There's even a reference to binge-watching in the show. So it's very clearly intentional the way they put this together. But as a result... They have just so much filler and wasteful shit. Like, the whole thing could be half as long. The episodes are, like, 55 minutes each, and half of it could be cut, and you'd have a stronger show. Some of it's cool, but there's also some ridiculous contrivances by the end that... Or by the end of the first season. I haven't started season two yet. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a decent show. Wouldn't recommend it, though. I'll finish it out just because I'm invested in it by this point. And uh, one last thing, this was probably my highlight games-wise. I played a demo for a game called Undertale. Have you heard of Undertale? Not at all. It's made by um, a guy named Toby Fox. And Toby Fox is a musician who made some work for Homestuck in the past, and then he separated from that, and he went out to make his own game. And it's a demo, but it's really cool. It's... It's like, you know, pixel art, retro graphics, blah, 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 easy to pass up. It's helped by the fact that he's a musician by trade, and so the music is really good. And it has a probably my favorite approach to dealing with player freedom, like making a, a point about player freedom. I don't want to spoil quite how it works, but it, it finds this really nice middle ground between being really heavy-handed about it and, you know, committing to it fully. It's it's it, I think it succeeds in what it does. It's never like you know this is the art game you're now playing. There are actual gameplay mechanics. 
and the... I don't know. It's hard to describe. I don't want to spoil it. I will say that the basic combat system is kind of like an a turn-based RPG, but instead of just being able to attack or flee or use magic or something, you can just talk to the creature or, and like give it a hug or console it and then make it feel better. And sometimes it's, the, it's moody, so that doesn't work, and you just have to kill it anyway. And uh, when you get attacked, it's not like a turn-based, no-interaction thing. You then control a little heart in a box, and then it becomes like a bullet hell for like a second. Like a real hmm. quick little bullet hell just to like avoid damage. So if you're really good, you can avoid damage entirely. It's really cool. It's a, it's a great game. I can't wait to see what they do with the full thing. The, it even has, the demo has a complete story in itself. So I would re definitely Thanks. recommend checking that out. And that was my week. Uh, I want to go back real just a second. You have you seen House of Cards? Excuse me. Yeah, I have. Um, did you like it? Um, it's entertaining. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my opinion. I actually I liked it a lot, but like you said, I don't know if it's a very good show. Uh, there's some really good talent, especially in the acting department, with like Kevin Spacey and and, and his wife. There's what's her name? It just doesn't hold up if you look at it too long. It's not made to be looked at too long or thought about yeah. too long. Like, um, this this really isn't going to be a spoiler. I'm going to avoid details, and it's not even that important. But there's a pretty cool scene at one point where Kevin Spacey's character's plans fall apart, and then he really angrily says, I want to know who lied. And by that point, we are positive that he is actually mad. Like, everything points to him being actually upset and that he didn't get his way in this case and that he was undermined by his by his wife. But turns out later that this mishap was an integral part of the plan that he'd been planning yeah. this whole time. But there's been no allusion to this plan before that. So he was clearly upset by this unintended thing, but that unintended thing was vital to his plan succeeding. I mean, it it, it if it's going to be about the really complex intrigue, it has to make the intrigue good. And season one was better than season two about that, I thought. Like, season two, it's, it's ridiculous how bogged down in shit no one cares about it, it got. Like, the, the technicalities of building bridges and securing <laughs> contracts for the bridges, and apparently that's enough to, like, make the entire American people ready to impeach a president because the bridge, it has a weird contract. It, it's so asinine. Yeah, it's, it's not... But it's cool. It's a cool show to watch. It's, it's, it's the kind of show that I think if it was a weekly show, it would do much worse, but it's meant to be watched in like a weekend, like binge-watched, like you, like you mentioned. So it kind of has the same kind of plot holes and stuff that a movie of its genre might have that most people kind of look over or, or are able to look over even if they do notice them. And I, I'm, I'm able to look over it too because I, I binge-watched it and didn't care much about the, the intricacies of the plot. I don't think it's... I think it's a well-written show. I don't think that it's yeah. overall plot. It's, it's Like you said, it's entry and everything is very well-written. But like that show has one of the greatest moments in television history, in my opinion. And it's the beginning of season two, the first episode of season two at the very end of the episode. He's been going this, the whole episode... Without, I'm not gonna spoil anything except for this just this moment. Good. Yeah. But uh, it goes the entire episode without doing his his classic looking at the camera and making a a, a snarky comment, and uh, and you're like, oh my god, if they like the first thing I thought of, or not the first thing, but like 
I started thinking throughout the episode, like, have they just dropped that entirely? Like, that seemed like it was people's favorite thing about the show. And so it was kind of perplexing. And then at the very end, he's, he's, he's getting ready for bed in the mirror, and he looks directly at the camera through the mirror and says, did you think I'd forgotten about you? <laughs> I loved that so much. Like, it sent chills down my spine. It was so and I don't perfect. I don't want to spoil the visual either, but the shot that they got. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen the uh, original UK miniseries, House of Cards? That they, uh, I'd seen the first, like, two episodes or something. I meant to finish it. Uh, it's, 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 pretty okay. it's pretty good, too, yeah. Because it's, it's so different. much shorter, when he does kind of address the camera, it feels like a treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they overuse it. They overuse it in Netflix. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't. Um, I don't even know if it's like overusing it. A device like that, it just it gets stale, even I, if it's done well. Eventually, you get you kind of get it. I would or say they do overuse it. Or they use tricks. They just use it in moments where it would be fine without it. Or in moments just where to like, explain something. Yeah, like, like I like the moments where he just looks at the camera and doesn't say anything. That's fine, but yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times he'll make a comment that that doesn't need to be made. But but they they do a really good job with it. Still, I I, I like that show. Um, it's I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the hell they do with it now that oh no spoilers, but yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'll move from on. From the moment the show starts, you know the trajectory oh, yeah. it's going to take. Yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, my week. Um. First thing, I've I've only I've only got a few things to talk about, but I think I've got quite a bit to talk about. Or at least I've got a lot to talk about. Two of them. Uh, first thing is I mentioned this last week that I'd started playing Star Citizen. I bought and messed around with that a little bit, and I've played a lot more of it. What's um, playable about it? I, I don't even know that this exists in a playable game. Um, it's uh, here's the thing. I like that game. I'm having fun with that game. Uh, I'm not addicted to it, but like. I feel like uh, just about every day I, I get the compulsion to play it just because, like, it's such easy... Like, you can put on, like, something to watch and play that game at the same time because there's a lot of downtime in the game, obviously. But, uh, god damn, there are some things about that game that I just... I It, it perplexes me that, like, this was a design decision that they made. Like, I, I don't understand it. There's, there's certain things... If you... I tried to play at, like, 7 p.m. on a Saturday night... And I get on, and you go into like the hyperspace, and you can kind of see a, a, a map view of pretty much the entire solar system. And you can see like there's NPC ships that show up on the map, but then you can see player ships because they're a different symbol. Player ships everywhere, and this is not an MMO. This game is instanced, so this isn't you know like the only instance of this solar system, or at least it shouldn't be with this many players. Like it. I'm just being spawned into one instance, but it's full of players, and they can. What they can do is they can interdict you and draw you out of hyperspace and attack you and kill you if they want to, and you can avoid it doing this little mini game kind of thing. But sometimes it's really hard. And uh, basically, if if there's a high population and you're in a solar system that isn't like highly protected or whatever, you're just going to get interdicted constantly. It's just going to happen constantly. Like it's 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 hard to just get from point A to point B without getting killed. And then you get to the, the space station, and there's like 10 people hovering around the space station waiting for a dock to open up in order to, to be able to fucking dock with the space station. And I mentioned this last week, too, but it was even worse this week. I, I was sat at Elite Dangerous? Yes, Elite Dangerous. What did I say? 
You said Star Citizen like three oh. times, and it says Star Citizen in the doc. I was like, what? Star Citizen is playable? What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, I constantly do that. I constantly call it... I mean, can you blame me for getting Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous mixed up? I, Sorry. I was, I was like, where Elite was Dangerous. I that this actually came out? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Elite Dangerous. God, that's funny. Anyway. Um, yeah. I, I can't dock at fucking space stations if it's a popular... And uh, I brought this up on Twitter, and people were like... Oh well, you can play solo. You can play without multiplayer, and it's like the same save state. It's just there's no other players. Then what the fuck is the point? Like I, I just I right. I don't get it. And 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 then people are like, well, play with your friends. And I'm like, like because you can make a private server with just your friends. But it seems to me that that stumbling across people in space is part of the fun of the game. And so like, why would you play alone or with just a small group? I I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, but I, I, it's a really impressive game. It won me over when I got like a, with this mining laser, and I was like, "Well, what can I mine?" And um, there were these, there was this planet with rings around it, like Saturn. And I said, "Okay, maybe I can mine like the asteroids in the rings." And I fly to the rings or whatever. And like, first of all, you get to the rings, and like, the scale of it is pretty impressive. Like, you can see asteroids like from really far off, just like stretching into the distance and turning into the ring that goes around the planet when you're like right on the edge. And then like accelerating away from the ring, if you, like, follow the ring, you see the asteroids under you, like, start zooming by at, like, a really, really fast rate. It really, like, puts into perspective the scale, because the, the game is, like, one-to-one -one scale of how a real galaxy is, and you don't get that sense of scale very easily sometimes, but if you're, like, just, I recommend if you have that game to, to go next to some some rings or an asteroid field or something and 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 just skim along it in hyperspace and see how fast you're going and it's it's actually like really neat like the the atmosphere of that game the sound design and just the way that they put you in that universe is actually really really well done but jesus from a design perspective that game does not make sense i i i just don't get it and i don't know how i don't know if i'm going to continue playing it all that long like there the there's a lot of ships that are like millions and millions of of credits or whatever and I'm getting maybe like 10,000 credits an hour at the rate that I'm going, and then I'll die and have to pay a lot of credits just to get my shit back, and it's just like, holy shit. So I don't know. want to pick it back up again. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. But I also um, I also tried using head tracking with it a little bit, and um, I didn't, I don't have... I don't have track IR, I so I downloaded a program where it'll use my webcam to try to like detect my face and see. It went terribly. I, the program did not work all that well. Uh, it was very laggy and just I couldn't like like part of the reason you want it in this game is because if you like look to the left, it'll open up a menu, and if you look to the right, it'll open up a different menu, and so like you can just look over and like see the menus, which is pretty neat. But it, you have to like keep it focused there, and the webcam will start like losing your face because you're not looking directly at the webcam, and then it'll fuck up, and it's just like ah. So don't don't even bother with that shit if you're if you want head tracking. I'm, I I'm, I don't know if I'm going to invest in track IR, but I really want to. Or or Oculus Rift. I might just wait for the Oculus Rift to come out like officially. But anyway, um, I also over the weekend, finally after several weeks of not being able to play, I played some more Arma Two with the with the Arma Feeling, which is the Arma Two group I play with. Some of them might be watching the podcast, so shout out to them. I I don't know. I not much to say about that, but I. I still like that game a lot. <laughs> it's still a really good game. We have fun. Um, and the final thing that I have to mention, this is this is kind of embarrassing, but damn, I I, I have to admit I really enjoyed it. I uh, I watched my first live wrestling match in the WWE. 
I, I, I watched the Royal Rumble because everyone on Twitter was talking about it, and I was like, okay, let's see what this shit's all about. And uh, I've got first, okay, this is going to be a few minutes of, of talking here because I've, I've got a lot to say about what the fuck this shit, like, shit happened last night. Um, it was very entertaining, but not necessarily entertaining in the way the network probably wants it to be. Uh it starts out and they have like their introductory matches, which is like tag team shit and like the divas and all that stuff. And I mean that stuff's whatever. It's it's entertaining, but it's kind of silly. Or it's all silly, but it's it's kind of they don't take it very seriously and whatever. Um, I enjoyed watching that stuff. It was fine. And then they got to the kind of first feature match because you've got the Royal Rumble, but before that you've got this championship match between three people who want the championship belt. And I, I might get all of this wrong, by the way, because I know nothing about wrestling, so forgive me if you're a wrestling fan and watching this, but uh, yeah, they <laughs> they get to this match, and it's a great match. It's, like, really entertaining. The guys are doing, like, really impressive moves and stuff. Um, everyone really enjoyed it, and I was watching it with, like, this chat room that was that was live, and I, so I was seeing reactions of actual wrestling fans, so I I could like kind of judge like okay how's this going over with like people on the internet and it seemed to be going that was going over really well people were like oh it's a five star match and all sorts all sorts of shit so it was really awesome and I was like holy shit I guess I chose the right night to to get into wrestling and that that match ended and it ended in a really spectacular way and I was like oh okay this Royal Rumble thing now they've got to top this match so they must have something really crazy and great planned for this Royal Rumble and first of all what the Royal Rumble is is it's thirty wrestlers coming out one at a time uh, in like five minute intervals or something like that and the last one alive or the last one in the ring not to get thrown out of the ring is is the winner and uh, it starts out fine whatever it's there's a lot of entertaining stuff happening some interesting wrestlers get involved or whatever and then like around like the 12th wrestler or something like that this guy comes out his name's Daniel Bryan and he is apparently just the by far the the most favorite wrestler of the fans, at least the fan like the live crowd that's there in the stadium, and they start, they they go wild. The crowd is just fucking chanting with him, and like they they want him to win. Like he is just the crowd favorite by far. He goes out there, he starts kicking ass. Everyone's cheering, everyone's loving it, and then he kind of gets he gets knocked out of the ring, but not like I don't know. There's like some kind of thing where like if you don't get knocked over the top rope then you're not eliminated from the Royal Rumble so he gets knocked out of the ring and for like 10 minutes he's just lying outside of the ring doing nothing <laughs> so that's kind of lame and a lot of other wrestlers come and go and he's just lying there on the outside of the ring not doing anything and then he crawls back in the ring kicks a little bit of ass and then just gets thrown out of the ring just like <laughs> unceremoniously just gets thrown out of the ring and disqualified instantly and like the crowd is just shocked like they're like taken aback, and this is in Philadelphia, so it's like this really harsh crowd, they just start booing. I mean, like, loud booing, like, just ear-deafening, like, no other sounds could be heard over this crowd's dismay. And, <laughs> like, the next wrestler comes that comes out, and, like, it counts down to when they come out, and, like, you know, starting about five, usually the crowd starts chanting, five, four, three, you know? Yeah. They don't chant for the next wrestler, like, they're just booing the whole time. And, the booing continues till the end of the match, which is at least another <laughs> half hour, maybe 45 minutes. Oh, man. I mean, there are very short, like, 10-second intervals where there's a few cheers for, like, a wrestler that people really like, and then it's just back to the booing. 
and they're chanting the name of the wrestler that got eliminated that they wanted to win. I mean, it is a disaster on astronomical scales as far as, like, live shows go, just the crowd. Because, like, the wrestling relies so much on the crowd, like, reacting to what's happening in the ring and, like, oh, look at that and shit like that. So when they're just booing constantly, it's terrible. And then the, they, this guy wins at the end, and The Rock comes out. And like starts beating people up and stuff, and it's like it's the fucking rock. This should this should win the crowd over, right? For maybe twenty or thirty seconds, the crowd starts cheering for the rock, and then the rock like holds up the hand of the champion or whatever, and everyone just starts booing again, <laughs> booing the fucking rock. And oh, man. It, it ends, and the commentators are acting like nothing ever happened. They do not acknowledge the booing at all. They start they acknowledge the fact that the crowd was chanting for the guy who got eliminated after he was eliminated, but they don't acknowledge the booing, even though. You can barely hear them over the booing. And then they have this post-show thing where there's a bunch of talking heads talking about the, the match or whatever. The crowd is behind them. Like on ESPN, you know, they put the crowd behind like the announcers and stuff. The crowd is behind them just booing and, and <laughs> yelling. It is a disaster. And they just they act like it isn't happening. It is crazy. I've never seen something so bizarre. And, and then they interview like The Rock, and he's like... Like usually, The Rock is like really cocky and confident and shit, but he's like stumbling over his words and shit. It is just so <laughs> awkward and terrible. Like I was cringing so bad, but it was really entertaining. I I, I really enjoyed watching it, but not for the right reasons. Oh god, it was bad. Like even when, when your crowd is booing the fucking Rock running out and beating people up, then you're in trouble. Like I don't know what the fuck they're gonna do to save themselves from this shit, but I. Now I, mean, I gotta admit, now I'm to begin with. Why would oh, they yeah. do that? Well, I mean, like, I guess that's the thing. Like, it is a joke, and and the thing about it, the, th- the weird thing about it is, like, it used to be that wrestling. A lot of people thought it was real, or at least that certain elements of it were real. Um, now everyone's in on it. Like, everyone knows it's fake, even the people who are there in person. And so what they're booing is like the writers of the show, like the the bookers they call them, of like the people like booking the the contestants and stuff. And so, but the show tries to not acknowledge the fact that it's fake. Like, sometimes they'll write into it, I guess, that it's fake, but but they, they try to keep it straight, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they can't, like, respond to this because they'd have to acknowledge the fact that, that, they, that the writers made a mistake and they try to act like there aren't writers. So it's such a weird, it's so weird, the whole concept of professional wrestling is so weird and unique and and just I, I'm fascinated with it. I gotta admit, like I am just totally in on this. Like I have to keep watching it because it's it's one of the the weirdest, most interesting things I've ever seen because it just doesn't make sense and it's it's I, there's nothing else like that where like you're having to respond to a crowd and an audience week by week and 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 try to like create heroes and villains just like off the cuff of just, like, what happened last week. and st- I don't know. I, th- I think it is really interesting, and it also is really impressive what the athletes do. And they are athletes. I mean, even though they're not actually beating right. the shit out of each other, they are doing real... This guy jumped from the top rope onto the announcer table, like, fucking, like, 15 feet, just, like, jumped in the air on top of someone. And I, how does nobody get hurt when you do that? It's it's pretty impressive. So, anyway, that's, that's, that's my sad life right now. <laughs> um, well, strap in because it's about to get sadder. <laughs> yeah, it is. Goddamn. Oh, God. All right, should we draw straws? Uh, Who has to introduce this shit? I think you wrote it down. I, I was thinking about not even mentioning it, so it's your Ooh, responsibility. Okay. 
right, all right. Pass the buck, I see. All right. This comes to us, dear listeners, from Polygon.com. It's an opinion piece titled, Can Gaming's Great Women Characters Be Written by Men? Question mark? It's written by Colin Campbell, a senior reporter at Kotaku. Sorry, not Kotaku. Polygon. <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to read a couple quotes, okay? And then you, you be the judge. For some context, he is talking about a demo of a game being made by the team that made Remember Me through Square Enix. Famous for its cover art of the woman's ass. Yeah, so cute. And it's kind of like a like a telltale game kind of thing. David Cage, you know, gone homey, that kind of game. It looks kind of stylized and cute. Anyway, it has a female protagonist, and then the main sidekick is also a girl. So let's see how they can find sexism here. Quote, The game begins in a moment of extreme peril for Caulfield. I might be going too far here, but I find it interesting that he is, she is presented not merely in trouble, but endangered by that most erect of phallic structures, a lighthouse. Make of that what you will. Period. You know, it's a good like it's a sign of a good argument when you when you say "make of that what you will." <laughs> he does that. He does that same rhetorical move several times. Like he does it again here. There are a number of interactions between central character Maxine Caulfield and other young women, as well as men. Such a thing ought not be noteworthy, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> Only because he's making it noteworthy. How but... is it noteworthy at all? Like. Mm, mm. And okay, but you may ask, what does this guy know? He's just talking out his ass. Well, let me tell you, this guy writes fiction in his spare time. He's a writer. He's going to be a writer, a novelist. I have a personal interest in this problem. In my spare time, I like to write fiction. Both my novels feature women in the lead roles. I find it a great challenge to write women characters, and I'm a long way from claiming competence. In my weekly writing group, which is mostly made up of women, this aspect of my work is the most likely to attract urgent suggestions for improvement. So not only is this fucking pussy <laughs> in a book writing club with a bunch of women, he's also... They're hating on him, for his attempts to try to write these female characters, because it probably sucks. Anyway, he pulls in a quote from the game's director, Jean-Max Maury, and he's describing how these characters in the game were written, and the, the writer was a male, and he, he does this whole, you know, gymnastics of trying to talk around it. Well, you know, we talked to a lot of writers, and we just decided that the work was the best. Like, they were, they were really trying to defend themselves for not having a woman write it. And this is what the guy said. He's a man. He writes female characters. They ring true to me. We tested on female staff and friends and family as well as male gamers, but I prefer not to make that distinction at all. At the end of the day, a writer just does it. And then immediately after, he says, from my own experience, I find this view problematic. So let's clarify. The writer of this article, who is writing <clears throat> in, uh, in hopes of furthering how women are viewed in games and, 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 and how women play games and how many women play games, says that it is problematic. The view is of, of, of 
not making a distinction between female and male gamers is problematic. Well, yeah, and then he goes on to explicitly enumerate the number of uh, of female editors that could or at Polygon. I mean, I keep conflating the two, but at this point, Kotaku is way better than Polygon. Um, yeah, yeah. This was my favorite. This was my personal favorite quote next to the lighthouse, the phallic lighthouse. Um, this was his own little quick, quippy, bippy paragraph. The problem of men dominating gaming is endemic. I am part of it, and until I am ready or forced to fall on my sword in the cause of equality, will continue to do so. It's like he's fantasizing. He is the quintessential pussy beta white knight. That's exactly what he is. There's no two ways around it. He is the archetypal platonic essence of a white knight. He is fantasizing about this grand act of martyrdom that he'll get to carry out someday where he gets to fall on his Literally in the name of equality. Literally martyrdom, yes. Uh, until I am ready or forced to follow my sword. I don't... Why is the force there? Is that, is that supposed to convince us? Like, I don't remember exactly how, like, what it was about, but we've mentioned this concept of these people, these social justice warriors, if you will, uh, seeing themselves as martyrs. And we've also we've also seen it on the other side of the game. Actually, I think where it came up was an internet like, aristocrat yeah. who and also like, saw um, himself as King a martyr. And stuff. Yeah, they they saw they see they see themselves as these martyrs, and they say, "Oh well, you know, I'm 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 leaving now." But I, I, I am making a sacrifice for the greater good of. I mean, it's all bullshit. Yeah. They it's, at least had totally the, just... the self awareness to just lightly imply that they were martyring themselves. <laughs> Not this guy literally say that says he's going to fall on his sword in the cause of equality. Um, yeah, and it's that's just like the ultimate ego, and like it, it just it shows the psyche of these people who like. I mean, we all know it, but the reason... Or not all of them, I don't want to generalize, but the the reason that a lot of these people do this is because it's an ego trip. It's like, this is all about me. I'm saving the gaming industry. I'm saving women. I'm saving whatever. And, 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 and you know, I want to be the person who does it, or I want to be part of this movement. And it's just, it's bullshit. And, it, and god damn, it's amazing that this, this article reads like satire. And, and we're just, we're it choosing, does. It really we're does. choosing perhaps the worst parts of it. But if you read this article, I the mean, these are not, bad. this is not it. This is not the only, I mean, it is amazing just how many ridiculous, he also, he also drops the little gem that Polygon employs 17.5% women in their editorial staff. So, so while Polygon comes on here and says that women need to be better represented in the gaming industry, they have less than one in five people He's on their staff are women. The classic social justice warrior white knight position that I am part of the problem, but I am working to better things from the inside of the establishment. As a privileged class, it's my job to dismantle privilege. That's the mindset we're working with. Now, if you want to know what his beef, if you, if it is if it is one, he seems to like it sometimes. If you want to know what his actual problem with it was, let me find it. I don't want to I don't want to misquote him because even if I tried to smear him as best I could, it wouldn't come out this. And it's gonna sound it's gonna sound like you're trying to make him worse than he is. But if you directly quote him, no, this is exactly how bad he is. Let me see. Male. I'll do a control search for maleness. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. 
When I played the demo at a recent Square Enix press event in San Francisco, I felt certain that the characters had been written by a man. Felt, you know, he's just basically... He just knows it. He just knows it. I felt that, although the early scenes are pretty well written, there was also a vibe of maleness coming off the way the women characters were drawn and how they interacted with one another. Yeah. First of all, it's it's like a feeling. The whole article is about this vague feeling of maleness he got. If you look at the way the actual characters are drawn, I wish I could show this right now and, and show an actual picture of the characters, but they basically look like fucking rock band create a character. Like, yeah. they're generic as they come. It's very I mean, detailed. If he's talking about, like, if they're, like, sexualized or something, I mean, all you have to they're do clearly is... clearly not. Like, they're not, but, like, I'm just saying if they were... You can look at a game like Skullgirls or something where the artists are women and they're creating sexy women because, hey, it's fun to create sexy women whether you're a guy or a girl. And in this case, who knows what the fuck he's referring to? I don't know what is male. (laughs) It's just such obvious bullshit. And then even if we want to buy into some of his premises, the logic still isn't complete. What he's saying is, well, I mean, he phrases it as a question in the headline, but at the end, it's an actual argument he makes that gaming's great women characters should not or cannot be written by men. Um, now, what he fails to do is to is to actually make the argument why they shouldn't be or why they can't. What he does is he says, this one was written by men, maybe, and I kind of like it, but it's also problematic because men shouldn't be doing it. Like, the whole thing is a foregone conclusion. His, 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 if you wanted to list out the premises and conclusions, one of his premises is his conclusion, that he is supporting his argument that men can't write women characters in games by making the statement that men shouldn't yeah. write female characters. It's like a, yeah, whatever. It's, and his evidence know, is so contrived, like, that, that the females are have a maleness about them, just a feeling, and that the lighthouse is a penis. Those are his arguments. Like, I, Jesus I guarantee Christ. you this guy went into this prepared to find some shit, find some little niggling, finagling, misogynistic points that he can name me. But when confronted with this very... I mean, if you look, look at what the... the game director saying, he's like emphatically trying to put himself in the pro-feminist camp, you know, conceding all these things like, you know, um, they're archetypes, but they're going to be challenged as the story, and we care about equal salaries and opportunity, trickle down, top down, improve things. Like, they are so openly socially conscious, and this guy went into it trying to find some shit, couldn't and had to fabricate all of it in order to make the argument that he already decided he wanted to make about men writing female characters. And, you know, there is a there is a perfectly valid argument to be made that men aren't as good at writing for female perspectives as they would be at writing for male perspectives. That argument doesn't even fucking happen. Or if it does, it's paid the most minimal amount of lip service. And let's keep in mind... The experiential gap between men and women, which is, you know, quite obviously the biggest gap to writing for the other gender realistically, he he doesn't even care about it. He's making, like, a normative political argument of why they shouldn't. And and let's keep in mind that that, that all of these uh, assumptions he's making about 
how the game is written and everything. This is all based on a demo. Yes. So in all likelihood, he's seen less than 10% of what the actual plot and writing has to offer. 20 and minutes. Just, and, he's, and, he's, and, he, and based off of that, he's deciding just in general that, women, that, that men, aren't, men can't write women the same way women can, which, like you said, it's a fine art, argument to make, but he doesn't do anything with fair, it. He doesn't provide any legitimate ed, evidence. To be or, fair, he did feel some maleness. Uh, he did, and there is the lighthouse. There is the lighthouse, and the lighthouse is they have the big bulge on top, as if it was like a you know the head of a penis. It's it's very very, you know Freud Freud said it best, you know, and, and I mean he's just Jesus Christ. I, like, I coming from any other website, I would have assumed this was satire immediately, and you know shitty social justice articles about games come out constantly. Most of them aren't worth talking about. This is one of the most impressively stupid examples of it in a while. So, and, and just blatantly, like like we mentioned, blatantly egotistical and hypocritical, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, and he, he of course doesn't waste the opportunity to toot his own horn as a failed novelist, working on two novels at the same time, both with female protagonist that he doesn't feel confident writing for and that people criticize for it, uh, for it all the time. Like he, he doesn't even have a clear vision of what he wants to argue or write in his novels or think politically. He's just a fucking mess. This guy is a hot mess and he should be put in the freezer for a while and not write articles. <laughs> Alright. Should we move on to a similar topic or should we oh, interrupt it with something... Yeah. Yeah, we can punctuate it with... Let's punctuate it. I don't think we have a lot to say about this, but Windows made a kind of a big announcement, I guess, um, that they are entering the virtual reality industry um, that doesn't quite exist yet, but they're working on it. Uh, they're making something called HoloLens, and it's a headset that you put on, and it's glass, and it, it projects on the glass you know, images that, that appear as if they're in three dimensions in the space around you, and it uses, like, the technology that the Kinect uses to find out where objects are, and, like, they, so it can interact, kind of, with, with objects around you and figure out what's going on, which is very neat in concept. Um, and people have been mentioning how, it's, how it could work with video games, like, oh, you could build, like, a Minecraft thing around your house. But it sounds so... To me, it's very, like all completely theoretical, and in practice it's likely going to be awful, just like the Kinect, um, but... Seems really gimmicky, like super gimmicky. Yeah, I, I can think of very little actual applications for it beyond just like, oh, this is cool. Uh, I, I Actually, I can't, just off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that I could possibly want from this, really. Uh, mean, Nintendo did um, AR cards... Where you could the, there, these cards would come with the 3DS. Oh, I've seen that. Aim yeah. the camera at it. A little 3D thing would pop up. It was never trying to be anything more than a little gimmick. Like the alternate reality thing was just a cute little thing that you could move around and look at, and hey, that's cool, and then be done with it. The Microsoft is really willing to sink a lot of money into these risky gimmicks, and I I don't know. They should have learned their lesson from Kinect. Yeah, I'm not super. I, I, I'm not going to act excited about it or anything, but I do think the technology will be really cool if they can pull it off. Like the technology behind the Kinect is is actually like pretty amazing. Sometimes, like it does some really oh, cool yeah. stuff. But people want to apply it 
not only the Kinect, but this too, to video games where maybe it doesn't really belong in the video game industry. Like, the Kinect is a terrible, terrible video game tool, device. It just doesn't work for video games. Everyone knows it by now. Even Microsoft knows it. Um, and this, I feel like, is going to be the exact same way. And I, I just I can't imagine a whole lot of interesting video games. It's going to be stuff like the Wii U demo and stuff where it was just kind of very basic, like, oh, swat away things flying at you or something like that, and, and it's never going to go beyond it. At least that's what I have imagined, and call me a pessimist, I guess, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have... I think you got dropped from the video call. All right, try rejoining it. While we wait for Skippy to rejoin the fold, let's get back to some depressing shit. Anita Sarkeesian planning two new video game related series for the upcoming year. One of them is examining, it's a mini series presenting examples of positive female characters in video games. Okay. Um, the second is the most worrying. Begin a new video series examining the representations of men and masculinity in video games. Like, I mean, there's the, the argument that people make all the time, like, oh, feminism is, is breaking the modern man and that, you know, it's pussification of America, all that kind of thing. And there, there is a legitimate point to be made there, I think, and that it, men are encouraged to be far too sensitive and share their feelings and do things that are just generally not for men, as maybe I'm just a freak in that way. But what I can guarantee you this series is going to be that people were already saying about tropes versus women. They were saying that tropes versus women, you know, is fucking men up. But it's really only if you want to buy that. I wouldn't even say that. But some people do say that. If you do say that, you have to admit that it's at least only doing it by proxy. It's not a direct assault on male values. But it's it's at the very least kind of, you know, putting forth feminine values as, as the, the things to look toward. Be conscious of feminine problems. Be conscious of women's issues. Be conscious of portrayal of women, 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 women. What this is going to be, I guarantee you, is look at this rapey game. This game has very rapey tones. So that's a bad, bad standard for men. That's what this is going to be. Instead of negative portrayals of, of women, like in Tropes versus Women, it's not going to be negative portrayals of men. It's going to be, look at these portrayals of men. Look how negative they are toward women. Toxic masculinity. Yeah, I'll, I'll be really interested to see if that is the direction that they go in. Because um, that, that was kind of my first thought seeing it. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I, I have another cynical view of it, which is that they'll legitimately try to look at representations of men like, you know, in Gears of War and whatnot that are, like, overly manly and, and set at an unrealistic standard or whatever, the same way that, that portrayals of women do. Uh, but they're only doing it so that they can say that they did it. <laughs> You know? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, one, I don't think they care enough about getting that particular benefit out of it because it's such a minor kind of tonal point that they could chalk in their category. But what they don't really gain anything by 
kowtowing to men in that way because the people who are already concerned about you know unrealistic portrayals of men probably are already fans of feminist frequency <laughs> like yeah. i mean if you actually do play gears of war and you're like oh this is bullshit uh, then you know you're probably not hating on Anita Sarkeesian right now um you know i don't know it, there's yeah. no way it's going to be good i'm pretty I, i'm pretty I, confident that it's going to be about how harmful the, these male depictions are to women. The, the one thing we can be sure about is that it won't be good, that it won't be well-written. Uh, that is true. Because she's, she's, she's shown over and over now that, that they as a team or her alone or whatever's going on behind the scenes there, they, they can't write a good essay or a good argument. Um, yeah, that, that shit sucks. <laughs> um, speaking I, of that, do you want to get uh, yeah. my good buddy? Yeah, uh, speaking of that, her co-writer is Jonathan McIntosh. 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 Uh, yeah. He, um, known for saying really, really stupid shit on Twitter and getting a lot of flack for it, uh, and then complaining about getting a lot of flack for it. He, uh, Jesus Christ, let me pull him up just a second here. He has, I guess, backpedaled. Actually, not I guess. I mean, this is the definition of backpedaling. Uh, he got a whole lot of flack. People were like, try like sending emails to Intel about this stuff and whatnot. Uh, he posted something about um, the uh, the the We Are Charlie thing after the yeah, Charlie Hebdo massacre. He he posted, you know. Uh, Which, by the way, is one of the scummiest things I've ever read. He he, he je ne suis Charlie hashtag. Yeah, he said I'm not Charlie because uh, I don't because Charlie's posted uh, racist things or whatever. Um, and I I think that there are legitimate arguments of, against the tastefulness of Charlie's Hebdo's comics, uh, but the way that he worded this, you can look up the tweet and stuff. The way that he worded it, it was just very scummy and and obviously inflammatory and 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 just kind of sickening really. Like it was not it wasn't of any. It was less indecency or it was less a criticism of Charlie Hebdo as much as just I don't give a shit that that they were massacred like that was the implication of his tweet, um, or at least that was my interpretation of his tweet. Um, he got a shit ton. Correct interpretation. He got a shit ton of flack for that. I mean, people freaked out about it and and it kind of went a little mainstream, I guess, more mainstream than some of his other stupid tweets um, because of its content. Uh, and so on the 20th of January, he, he made a series of tweets. Uh, he said, a few months ago, I started posting deliberately provocative tweets whenever I'd see the angry gamer mob launch a harassment raid on someone. So you've already got all these buzzwords that they love so much. I'd only post things I basically agreed with. But I did it in an overly, overtly antagonizing way designed to enrage these specific hateful gamers. The goal was to see if I could draw some of their fire and distract them a bit from their usual targets. It worked like a charm. It still is. It's shockingly easy to drive these bozos into frothing fits of rage. Simply tweet critically about their beloved Ico, Ico MGS, or Bayonetta. Uh... First of all, those three How, those three games are fantastic. Did you so. ever shit on Metal Gear and Ico? <laughs> like, what? Uh, 
So what he's basically saying is, I fooled you guys. I didn't really mean what I said. Oh, but I kind of meant what I said. But I didn't really mean what I said. It's just the, it's the yeah, it's the most cowardly and pointless. It's just the funny thing is you don't even have to you don't even have to disagree with him. Well, I mean, if you don't disagree with him on at least ninety nine percent of things, then you're a mental defective and should stop existing. But if you are gonna um, read into what he says and not just be ready to reject it outright because he's an idiot and haven't heard of him. He says that the goal was to draw some of their fire, the angry gamer mob's fire, oh. and distract them a bit from their usual targets. It worked like a charm. It still is. So let's pretend that I hate Gamergate. That Gamergate is a scourge. I want to bury Gamergate. Let's have a stop Gamergate hashtag and put the final nail on the Gamergate coffin. I want it to die. I would know that when people get pissed off about things, things people say, like for example, someone getting pissed off at Jonathan McIntosh for mocking uh, a terrorist slaughter of, of innocent people, um, if people were going to get mad about that, it's not like they, the anger that they already had going in their head now just has a target. They weren't mad before. Now they're mad. <laughs> now that they're riled, they're not just going to fuck with you. They're going to fuck with your friends because they're also idiots. And you being an idiot reminded them that your friends exist. <laughs> like, there is no way it's drawing fire. If you are a gamer gator, then you've probably experienced those moments of seeing a tweet from Brianna Wu and then, oh... I, I'm going to check Zoe Quinn's Patreon just to get a little more pissed off. It's a feedback loop. There is no way that him doing his... I don't even... Well, he clearly wasn't fucking trolling. It's just a cop-out. But if we want to believe his cop-out, it, it still doesn't hold up. It's it, a super cowardly move, and it gains him nothing. Nothing. It's pathetic. He's a pathetic human being. He is, and, and it, it is... The, such a classic, obvious strategy to say, oh, I was intentionally making you mad and it worked. Like, that is... Every single person that Gamergate has ever criticized has done that at some point, where they just say, oh, yeah, I was just making you mad on purpose, and, uh, look, you actually got mad, I win. Uh, you know, it's so childish and so obvious and, and, and oh, my God, it accomplishes nothing either. Like, the, the idea that he's drawing drawing people away from the real criticism. And, and and also, what does that imply? Oh, I can take it. The women can't take it, but I can. I'm strong enough to, to take this criticism, to take all this hatred. But, but you know, poor Anita and Brianna Wu, they can't take it because they're just weak women. Poor them. Like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking hypocrite. I think hypocrite. it's because he's a pussy beta masochist who likes <laughs> pain and likes yeah. to get tied up and uh, fucked by women. <laughs> How's that for intentionally provocative? Yeah, well... Okay, this is another thing that's not so much related to um, to Jonathan McIntosh in particular, but just a, a thing about people arguing with each other online that happens a lot. The whole, like, you got mad, so it's over, I win. Like, yeah. what, what's the problem with getting mad? Getting mad is great. Like, nobody, everybody's just kind of this floaty... This is my least favorite thing about Reddit, actually. Just the way people talk to each other 
on that fucking website. Oh yeah. It's this very kind of like exactly floaty, like you know, we're rational. Rational. Like, like everyone's reasonable. adjusting their ties before yeah. they start talking. Like yeah, everyone's I mean, like adjust my tie and uh, scan through hundreds of comments so that I can come up with one witty reply that will get me some Reddit gold. Um, let me let's have a real rational, you know, environment. And yeah, it so just, sometimes it, I wish people would just fucking talk like human beings. Yeah, human beings get pissed, and human beings are fun to talk to because there's a risk of them getting pissed if you say something stupid. If you're if everything is just this. Let's have a discourse. I'm in the mood for some discourse. Want to have a discourse? <laughs> yeah, it's... It, I'm riled tonight, folks. I'm, Ooh, glad, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Reddit way of talking because that is their favorite thing. It's, like, it's classic. Like The way the Gamergators talk is very human and vile and, and it's very often just full of curse words and just it's people getting angry, people talking in all caps, and almost... Everyone on the other side is all like, oh, well, you know, I refuse to uh, let my emotions get the best of me and everything. And it's, it, it is just bullshit, and it's not like you're accomplishing anything more when you write these, <clears throat> these long diatribes that are very well thought out or so you think and, 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 and use long words and try to act like you're, you're trying to have like this, this academic discourse. You're not accomplishing anything because the people that you're arguing against either are the kind of people who are just talking in all caps like human beings, or they're the kind of people that are going to respond in the same way, and you never... Like, I've seen those conversations on the internet. At least on the internet, they never get anywhere, because it always ends like this. It always ends up with, oh, I, I can kind of see what you're saying there. I still disagree with it, but I understand I your point. And Even if I agree with the person at first, once they say that, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm done. It's, it's obnoxious. It, like... Fucking stick with your point. Let's, let's force them a wrong. ground. Let's force a middle ground to diffuse conflict because I don't like conflict. I like um safe. I want a safe space. Yeah, and I make the internet a safe I'm, space. I'm someone who constantly straddles the line on these things. Like I, I, I hardly ever choose a side and all that bullshit. But at least I, I I'm, I'm not gonna act like there's some kind of. Uh, something to be gained from saying, "Oh well, I disagree with your opinion, but I respect it, and 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 I'll just uh, agree to disagree." Like, fucking have an argument or don't. Just say like, "Okay, I'm not getting anywhere with you. F forget it." Like, don't don't act like don't act like you're both right because you're not. Yeah. Uh, you you don't agree. Face it. Whatever. Yeah, and then like um the. Like, the point of arguing on a public forum as opposed to privately is to maybe convince some people who are reading it. In all likelihood, you're never going to convince the person you're arguing with. That's just hardly ever, ever going to happen. People become aware of this. Like, they get that they're not going to necessarily convince the person that they talk to, but then they overcompensate for it completely. Like, they'll, with, with their, you know, fifth grade level awareness of their rhetorical situation, they'll say like, oh, if I'm just really rational and uh, calm, people will like me, and uh, they'll upvote my argument, not his. They'll downvote that into the trash, maybe. Yeah. Um, Say what you will about these Tumblr people that go crazy on their blogs and say like, oh, I'm tired of fucking cis white men ruining everything. At least, at least they have a fucking argument to make. At least they're making a point of some sort. At least they're sticking to their guns instead of just this, this pussyfooting in the middle of bullshit. Um, but whatever, fuck it. Uh, fuck those people. Fuck everyone. Uh, 
we, we don't have a whole lot else to talk about right now unless you can think of anything last minute. So for now, we're going to try to ask questions from the chat and maybe get questions or, or discussions. Let's turn it over to you, the audience. You haven't asked oh, many yeah. questions in a while, and uh, that doesn't make me happy. So here's the deal. Everyone asks one question within the next minute or your band. Go. And while that's going on, we can talk about some video games. I don't know if... Um, I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this. You said I did talk about Shovel Knight last week. I played a little more of that. I started New Game Plus. It's kind of cool. But it's it's not like Cave Story for me. I can't like stay with it for like yeah. nine playthroughs. But it's, it's still pretty cool. I'm looking forward to completing it. I just I I didn't get around to it today. I mean this week at all because of you know Star Citizen. Uh, now Elite Dangerous took up a lot of my video game time just because it was like whenever I had free time I was like yeah fuck it I'll start up Elite Dangerous and try to figure out some more shit about that. Um, what do you think about Dying Light not having a review embargo but not sending out any review copies? Um, that sucks. Like embargoes I, are good. I don't think embargoes that's true. Great. I think it does. I think they have sent out review copies. I'm not positive because I didn't get one. I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't. But wait, you know uh, what? I think I think you're right because I saw. I could have sworn I saw Total Biscuit tweeting about his code dropping. I think they sent. I think they sent out very limited review copies or something. But I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I I think that they are sending out review copies of that. And whatever the reason, Dying Light was so last minute with the review codes. It wasn't because it's a bad game. That's what Total Biscuit says. Hmm. So um, they did do review codes. They were just late. I think I think it sounds like there was some kind of basically delivery issue kind of thing, like just logistics. But that that game kind of intrigues me a little bit. I even though it's fucking zombies and it's made by the people who made Dead, Dead Island, Island yeah. it's it looks cool. it looked cool. The trailer was kind of neat. Like it actually looks like it has some interesting writing and voice acting in it. That, that's actually like beyond what I would expect of a game like that. But you know. I, I, I'm not going to buy it full price or anything, but I, I'm interested to see what people think about it at least. Yeah, that's kind of the boat I'm in. I'm not going to buy fucking any video games new, except for like a few exceptions anymore. But yeah, it looks... I'm not expecting it to be bad. Um, are you interested in The Witcher 3 at all, or have you played the other Witchers? I haven't played nice the other Witchers, that. but... I'm seeing how excited people are for The Witcher 3, and I kind of want to go back and play at least The Witcher 2, because I heard the combat system in the first one was bad. I'd, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't, haven't experienced it personally, so don't... You folks out there, don't don't you attribute that to me. What's your favorite leather? Uh, fuck you is the answer. Um, what Walker. kind of leather? Like cow? Is that a variety? <laughs> Um, Walker asks, are we going to bring a guest on our show ever, maybe Flimsy or Fitz? I, we'd like to at some point. Um, yeah. well, we've I mean, got some ideas of at least who we're going to ask. Someday. Um, yeah, it could be YouTube people, it could be an indie dev, it could be Gabe Newell himself, Obama. I mean, we've got Obama people lining up at the door. We've got famous people trying to get on this podcast, so it's really up to them. Fubix is here asking about leather, too. Um if everybody could, uh, okay, click on, you see Fubik's name? I want you to click on that and uh, down, down like every one of his please videos. Down, please downvote all the trolls. Yeah. Um, all, no, trolls will not be tolerated. Zero, zero tolerance. Um, Xbox to PC streaming. I forgot about that announcement. I mentioned the hologram thing, but I didn't mention the Xbox. To, have you heard about this? 
Yeah, I did. And Total Biscuit, I saw him tweeting about it. He seemed to think it was stupid, which is ridiculous, because there are console-exclusive games that exist where that might be a fun thing to do, so... He was like, "Well, why would I? Why would I want to play it on there when I could play it on me PC?" <laughs> Perfect total biscuit impression, spot on. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, he he's like a his a whole audience is 60 FPS, uh, PC master race, and you know I get it. That's who he is. That's what he's out there for. But I mean, there, there there's not like no reason to have a console like Wii U especially. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't care about it. Basically, I, I I'm kind of with Total Biscuit on this one. Like, if it's a if it's a game that that is available on PC, then I'm definitely gonna play it on the PC anyway. And if it's only available on the Xbox, and you require, I mean, I, I think I think you require still have to have like an Xbox One and everything. Like, what's the point, really? Uh, I don't I don't know. Whatever. At least yeah. they're doing it. At least I mean, I'd rather them do it than not do it. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's going to use the same technology as, um, I mean, you know, Nintendo didn't invent this technology, but if it's going to be the same technology as what um, what shows the screen on the Wii U gamepad, then it's going to be perfect because there's basically no latency at all that way. It's instant. You can viably play Smash or something only looking at the screen, something that really heavily depends on reflexes too. So I don't think it's going to suck. I think it's going to look great and have limited utility, but it's still going to be cool. Yeah, I guess whatever. It'll have it'll probably be you know like people who have their Xbox in their living room, but sometimes they want to play in bed and they have a laptop or something that they can do it with. That that might be cool. But that is my number one favorite thing about the Wii U. We yeah. Got the gamepad right here. You can just lie back in bed and launch up some Mario 3D World. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Nintendo. Thank you, Nintendo. <laughs> Thanks, Jim Sterling. We want to take this opportunity to thank Jim Sterling for everything he's done for us. Um, thanks, Jim. Speaking of Patreon figures, have you seen Brianna Wu's figures lately? Not in the last couple weeks, but last time I checked, she was making many, many times more in a year than I am. It was like 13000 A month, yeah. To clarify, I, a month. I hadn't checked her, uh, her Patreon in a long time, so I was shocked. I had no idea yep. I'd gotten that high so quickly. Yeah, fuck her. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, these people are old news, but I think some of the way that the that the political maneuvering plays out is kind of interesting. Like, you'll notice that when the whole Zoe Quinn scandal, scandal, was going down, the, the narrative from that camp was, stop harassing Zoe Quinn, stop making this about Zoe Quinn, you know, just leave her alone. She's a good girl. Leave her alone. Uh, she didn't do anything wrong. She only fucked a million people. But it works. There's nothing generally. wrong with that, technically. You know, but you, you know, start to see boyfriend, but, who and why she might have done it. But, you know, forget it. Yeah, anyway. So that narrative generally worked. People stopped making it about Zoe Quinn. They stopped mentioning Zoe Quinn by name as a conscious move to protect her and keep her safe. Contrast that with Brianna Wu, another indie dev that nobody cares about who made a game that nobody cares about. And Depression Quest is an objectively better game than Revolution 60. Um, but Brianna Wu took an entirely different angle. She didn't try to shy away from, from that attention and harassment. She dove straight into it. 
and was happy to appear on the news, Huffington Post live streams, and ABC, and any opportunity to to say, look, look at me. And it worked. She's now making almost ten times as much as Zoe Quinn is on Patreon. There is someone... Before all of this, she was completely unknown. They were both perfectly unknown. The only difference between them is the way that this shit played out rhetorically and politically. Someone in the chat, and I, I hope to God this is true. Uh, if it is, then this is a this is very relieving. They say that the reason that it shows up as thirteen thousand a month is because she got a one-time donation of ten thousand dollars, and that shows up oh, in the per month thing. That would be great. That I'm would make a, a lot more pray. sense. I'm it would make a lot more true. sense because I didn't understand how she got that much money per month. Oh, man. Hopefully that's true. Even if it is, though, she's she's still making a whole lot more than I am with a salary. You made my heart feel lighter. Yeah, I, I hope that's true. So thank you to that person, Noontide, for uh, for that hopefully true shout out. Uh, information. Jesus Christ. But yeah, those people suck, and it's funny how they turn against each other because they're basically competitors now. <laughs> like it's really, it gets really obvious sometimes where they start like criticizing each other and 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 kind of ignoring each other's problems and whatnot. Like there's a lot of drama and shit, just because like, and you know, it's just basically at this point, it's all about the money. <laughs> Oh, like so okay, we have not to toot our own horns, but I'm gonna blatantly toot our own horns. We have the self-awareness to feel gross if we like say this week in Gamergate. Like we get that kind of feeling, like why are we doing this? Yeah. But at the same time, these people are still around. They still exist. And they're still doing shit, and just, oh, it makes you makes you wanna do something that gets you in the news. <laughs> uh. Along the same topic, I found out this week that uh, Tropes versus Women. I mentioned, I think, last week that it was it is now a nonprofit organization. Um, their finances have been released, and last year they made four hundred and I think it was forty one thousand something dollars. Mm. It's a nonprofit, you know, it's just overhead. Well, it just uh, comes with the territory yeah. running a nonprofit. Don't look I, at us. A very significant portion of that, of course, goes to the salaries of their very, very few employees yep. in the company. Um, I don't know what the rest of it what goes to budget? because I don't know what they're spending money on. To download let's plays of other people's gameplay, you need. I, I I cannot figure out. Like I've thought about it for a long time. What the hell are they spending or planning on spending this money on? But like, if they're making videos the way that they do. YouTubers make those videos for so much less. Like those videos don't cost a lot of money to make at all. You need one camera. Make. You need one camera. You need what is it? Adobe Premiere probably, and an editor. And 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 the editor just just you don't even need to record the, the gameplay. The you don't even need a converter thing, or anything. The only complicated thing they did is the little After Effects fusion for feminist it was frequency. Good. You could pay an effects artist fifty dollars to make. They that. probably did do that. They probably paid. They probably outsourced it. I would if I were them because that'd be the most economical it's, thing. It's to do. Smart. Yeah. Um, also, she should finish her video series that she promised to finish several years ago before she starts her new video series, probably. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> people who, people who even people who paid for her Kickstarter don't give a shit. I was about to say something, but then I got distracted by the um by the thought that there are people sitting at their computers right now who are like, oh, cool. A new feminist frequency <laughs> starting? Oh, cool. Can I donate to it? Oh, cool. Industrial says, pressing question, how do you define video game? Like, when I'm reading a book outside, am I playing a video game? 
if I'm playing like a strategy game on my phone, where does the line end or begin? That's an it interesting question. It ends at Depression Quest. Um, I would refer you to um, some some philosophers like Immanuel Kant and um, John Stuart Mill. I think that would be more of the intellectual. And John Stewart, be in. the Daily Show host. Those questions are too big for us. We are but mortals. Yeah, uh, and Desert Golfing, yes, it is a postmodern masterpiece. Uh, I haven't played that game in a while, but I did see that rock, and I did see those two water hazards and that cloud. I saw cactus. I you, you saw the cactus? Yeah. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah. It made you kind of want to stay on that hole for a little longer just to soak in the fact that you found sad. a cactus. I got sad when it scrolled yeah. off the screen. There are people who've done, like, thousands of holes in that game. Oh, man. I don't want to spoil... I'll, I'll get to, like, spoil. as far as I can go... Before I stop having fun with it, and then I'll I'll look up to see. I got several hundred holes in before I started just not caring anymore. Um, not that I ever cared, but like I stopped pulling out my phone and playing it on the toilet and stuff. <laughs> um, but it, that's a cool game, honestly. Like I, I like that game. And 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 there was a screenshot that someone posted from like the five thousand and something hole. Uh, I think that game reaches a point where it's impossible to complete because it was like a hole at the very right edge of the screen, and there was a ledge going over the hole. So you, if you got over the ledge, you would just go off the screen, and if you nice. to get to the hole, you had to go over the ledge. So it didn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't think that that's possible to complete. So maybe maybe that's how many holes long the game is. I don't think there's. I think everyone wonders if there's some kind of like grand ending to it or something like some. Maybe it turns out to be one of uh one of uh Peter Molyneux's projects or something like that at the end. But I don't think it is. Um, guess what. What? Neither of us have been recording audio. Oh yeah, no, I've been, I've I found that out a long time ago, but it was <laughs> it pointless. Doesn't matter. Most people watch the video. Anyway. This podcast won't come in audio form. I do want to keep doing audio podcasts though, because personally, yeah. I would probably listen to it. At the um, at the very least, we can just take the audio from this yeah. and make it an audio file. It'll be crude, but it'll work. Yeah. This is kind of unrelated. I actually don't know what's our time like right now because the timer seemed to restart on YouTube too. Anyway, uh, we started at 8:30 and it's 9:44 for me. So. Okay. So. Uh, it's pushing it. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a pretty big topic. It's a pretty general amorphous discussion too. It's about objective, subjective reviews. Uh, I'm game. All right, I'm let's game. do that. Um, like, okay, I've seen so many people in Gamergate specifically, and even before that, mostly before that, um, who have been decrying the subjective review, and then people like stepping up like Total Biscuit and saying, every review is subjective. They all have their own perspectives that they bring in, and that their, their judgment of the content is blah, 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 so it's technically subjective. Um, I don't know. It's just a stray thought I had, but like, there's clearly something meant when somebody says that they think that their review is too subjective, and it's not that they're bringing their own opinion to the table because people eat that shit up. There's a reason Mr. Beatung is loved. It's because he brings in a subjective opinion, but what what he does, the important thing, is to found that subjective opinion on some objective facts that you can point to. Like the the whole article that we shit on about the um the phallic lighthouse and the and the maleness of the characters, they're very like amorphous, shitty, indefinite 
things that you can't talk about meaningfully because you don't even know what they are. And I, I don't know. What you can say is that every review has a subjective criterion by which people are going to make judgments. There are certain criteria that people want in their games. If they're playing a fighting game, one of their criteria is probably going to be a deep combat system. It's a very simple criterion. Most people have it, so it's uncontroversial when people make subjective judgments based off of that preference. But if whatever you're making your judgments off of is impossible to identify and you're just spouting shit about politics and grabbing for issues that aren't really related to the genre that a game's in or, or related to the, the industry, you know, intrinsically, then people are going to feel like it's subjective, even though they're all subjective the whole time because you're, you're not... You have this shitty amoeba as your criterion instead of whatever. I don't know. The, the problem is that there's no... The word subjective doesn't contain a distinction between... Uh, what people are calling reviews out for and what they actually... Because, like, reviewers... This isn't only for video games, either. I see this so much. I, I read a lot of reviews films, or I used to. I, I don't have so much recently because there hasn't been very many films to, to read good reviews about. But uh, they people would call a reviewer biased, and the reviewer's defense yeah. every single time is, well, of course I'm biased. It's my own opinion. And that's not... That's, that's obviously not what people mean when they're criticizing right. you of being biased. What they mean is that you are letting... a you're letting something influence your review score or your overall judgment of the work that is external of the work itself or shouldn't apply to the work as a whole or something like that. So when people call, like there was the, I, I always harp back on this because it pissed me off so much, and this wasn't really a review, but it was a preview, and it was obviously meant to give an impression of like, how is the game? Uh, I think it was, uh, it was Rock, Paper, Shotgun, uh, they uh, they ran a preview for Hotline Miami 2, and mm -hmm. it, it, halfway through the preview, she started talking about how personally she felt isolated by the game because it had an act of sexual violence depicted. Uh, it was a fictional act of sexual violence in the fiction of the game, so it was two layers of fiction, but she felt isolated because of it, and that was her personal experience from playing the game. The thing is, when you label it as a preview of Hotline Miami 2... People aren't coming on there and expecting a personal experience story. They're they're expecting you to to say like, here's what Hotline Miami 2 is like. Here is what I liked about it. Here's what I didn't like about it. Now you could mention that and say there was a part I didn't like where this happened. But half your preview is about that. Obviously, that's what that's the kind of bias people are talking about because the only like people don't want that from a preview. Obviously, and the first the first half of the preview was very was praising the game a lot, but then the, the last half of the preview just said, well, you know, I'm not interested in this game until it, you know, stops objectifying me like this or whatever, and that, that's that's shitty, and it's annoying, and nobody, or I don't want to say nobody, but most casual readers of of your preview or review aren't going to like that, that level of, of personal uh, influence to the review. I mean, obviously you want a personal, uh, uh, you want a personal analysis but not 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 a blog about how it made you feel yeah. I, I think I don't know like I haven't really crystallized what I think about all this yet but it irritates me that people vilify subjectivity and bias so much and then it also irritates me 
that people will defend subjectivity and bias in an equally or worse shitty way. Like, a, like a good example or a good comparison, I think, is probability. So, I mean, if you have a coin and you're going to flip the coin, it's going to be heads or tails. You can say that there's a 50-50 probability of it being one or the other. But, in truth, the way that you flip the coin, the exact angle of your thumb and the, the air temperature and the current, all that is going to land on a certain side, just physically, based on actual laws that you can measure. But, as a, just a person without, you know, extremely sophisticated equipment, there's no way that you have access to that information. So, the probability is still 50-50. Probability is always based on what you know and what you can probabilistically say based on your limited information. I like to call it, like, subjective objectivity. There is a right answer for what the probability of a certain thing is, even though it's based on a subjective perspective. If there's, like, a bag, and there's different colored balls in the bag as you draw them out, there is a certain number of each color, but you still have to keep performing the probability calculation as you pull out a new color and update your priors and all kinds of things like that. There's always an objective answer in probability that is still subjective. And I think that's helpful for, for games, that it's not like subjectivity is totally bad. The problem is that when you have a subjective perspective, you then have to put in the rigor to actually check whether the objective realities of the thing you're critiquing match up with your subjective point of view. If they actually did the legwork of, um, of completing that picture, of saying all depictions of sexual violence are bad, blah, 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 blah. People would probably be upset with it, but it certainly wouldn't have caused as much of a problem as a quick off-the-cuff, this has sexual violence, therefore it's bad. Let's talk about how it's bad for a long time. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of it has has to do with the amount of time they spend on it, like in that review, but also a lot of, a lot of it has to do with, like, people's impression of why you didn't like the game and whether it's because it was a good or a bad game or if it was because your personal experience with it was a positive or negative one and and if you had a positive if you had if you went to a theater and you watched a movie and you had a crying kid behind you that was distracting you the whole time and therefore you didn't enjoy your your, your movie viewing experience then obviously you're not going to give the movie a bad review because of that but you're probably going to enjoy the movie a lot less than you would maybe you'll have to see it again to give an objective review of it not exactly a one-to-one -one comparison with what we're talking about as far as video games but to me it's 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 the same idea of your personal experience is is unique in a way that shouldn't be uh, applied to a review of the of the work, um, and and it can be mentioned because it is part of your experience, it is part of your opinion, but should it influence whether you think it's a good or a bad game? If you think yeah. if you think Kojima portrays women badly, which first of all that's insane if you have if you know anything about the character of the boss, but. It, a lot of reviewers criticize, you know, like Ground Zeroes had the the vagina bomb or whatever. Which, first of all, that kind of perplexes me because she never explicitly says that it was a right. vagina bomb. But they assumed it was a vagina bomb. But uh, anyway, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> uh, probably sounds very weird out of context. Uh, but there, I saw reviewers talking about how that that disturbed them and 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 whatnot. Okay. But does that make it a bad game, in your opinion? Like, should well, that influence do, your opinion I of the game? Like, I don't mind if that does influence their opinion of the game. I, I don't care if somebody says, Bayonetta 2 is shit 
because I hate how it objectifies women. I actually don't care so much about that. The problem is that there's a certain set of basically universal criteria to critique games. If it's trying to be fun, then fun is a criteria. If it's trying to tell a story, then the, the strength of that story is one of the criteria. Like, there are uncontroversial criteria to judge games by that by default everybody's going to assume that you're using. They assume that they're using these typical metrics of quality. Does the game look good? Does it have good music? That kind of thing. That's not controversial, so they don't have to spend a lot of time explaining that those tastes because they're pretty universal tastes. When they're going to bring in some heterodox you know, weighing mechanisms that call the game shit, that you can't half-ass that. If you're going to make a moral argument, you, you can't just throw it out there and then get back to talking about the controls. You clearly have a, have a beef with something, a substantial beef with it, and you can't get away with letting that f fart to deflation. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I disagree with what you originally said, but I'm not sure you meant it, because you said... It's fine if you think that Vienna is a bad game because it objectifies women. I, I completely disagree with that. I think that if a reviewer said that, they'd be wrong to say that. I wouldn't. I would say. That, I, I would say you can't. I don't think you can, you can personally think it's shit. But if you're a reviewer, then you're supposed to be giving a review of how how the the work is, like not how you see it. And I mean, it's how you see it, but it's not. It. I. In my opinion, your opinion of how it affects the portrayal of women on a grander scale should not apply to whether it's a good or a bad game unless the game, like you said, unless part of the intention is of the game is to do something like that. If, if, if the game is intending to push this, this, this uh, concept of gender and that's part of the developer's you know, idea of what the game should be about, then sure, you can criticize that aspect of it. But if it's a game like Bayonetta and it's not trying to make any political statements or anything like that, then reviewing it based on its portrayal of women would be wrong because that's not what the game is about. Yeah, I, like I would agree that that still would be a bad review. Like I think some subjective criteria are better than others, that they have more sound support for them. Like I, I totally agree with that. But I'm just saying that like, on principle, I wouldn't care if somebody, you know, ripped a game to shreds based on a subjective criterion like that. It's if they were able to successfully found that criterion first. And um, you said something that I definitely agree with, which is that you're supposed to be giving your opinion of the game itself and not, like, communicating your personal perspective of it. Like, the point of... Reviews basically are opinions, but the reason opinions are, are generally read by people, the reason Total Biscuit has an audience, the reason that the opinion section in the New York Times has a readership, the reason the New Yorker exists at all, is because these people aren't just taking something everybody knows about or a game everybody knows about and you know throwing their two cents in. It's a really you know thoughtful process of trying to, I guess, describe it. And the way you describe it winds up being your opinion because you notice things that other people don't if you're a perspective person with valuable opinion perceptive person with valuable opinions like that's what a, opinion and review should be you're not like you know i i am the reviewer and i'm going to talk about you know how it made me feel and you know my hands are you know slowly atrophying right now i don't know what's going on 
you're supposed to make observations about what you see, and those observations can be colored by who you are, but, you know, people want opinions of things, not just opinions about your, I don't know, fuck, I, it's so fucking hot in here, <laughs> I'm literally dying, like you can probably see I'm just drenched with sweat, well, yeah, we'll here, just runs we'll, we'll wrap up soon, but I do want to mention, uh, someone mentioned in the comments that, that they think that the Guantanamo Bay and the rape scene were poorly done, and I would agree. Like I think that they, they were tasteless and pointless, and 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 not, they they, they like you said they were poorly done, but that's that's different. Being poorly done is different from saying that it's problematic or saying that it you know it, it's objectifying or something. Like I think that those things detracted from the game. I don't think that they detracted from the game because they perpetuate a view of gender relations or some bullshit like that. And that that's what pisses me off about a lot of reviewers is because that's exactly what they were saying. Is like, well, Kojima's doing nothing to, you know, look, he's, he continues to portray women in this way and it's 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 a problem. It doesn't matter if it's a problem or not. It it, it matters yeah. whether that, that, that affects the game. And if you think it affects the game, fine. But if you're trying to talk about the Alaris is industry the as a whole that's tape, pointless. You're thinking of tape number four. Tape number four has <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was well done. I also I wouldn't say it was poorly done, really. I, I just I didn't like any of that stuff. I thought it was dumb and pointless. I, I, I don't like when Kojima tries to get really serious like that. I, I, I think that he's kind of bad at it. Mm. But, but again, right these are personal opinions of whether we think it's well done or not. Not, not whether it's it's right. doing the right thing socially or morally. Like Hattori Hanzo said, the fact that you're listening to the rape as a game reward by the cassettes, that I'm, uh, I'm losing you there. Nah, yeah, that's how is it? How is it explicitly a reward? Yeah, I, I completely disagree with that. It's not a reward. It's collecting it's, something isn't the same thing as a reward. Yeah, I think that's just a way of telling the story. Uh, you know, if it gives it to you all at the beginning, then you think like, well, am I supposed to listen to all this before I play, or like what? So it it, it hands them out to you one at a time, so that you're ideally you're listening to them far apart from each other, and and as you play the game rather than all at once or or right at the beginning or whatever. Like, I I think that that's just purely a design choice that has nothing to do with reward. I think that's that's the same false equivalence as like saying you kill prostitutes for money in GTA. Like, it's the same kind of, like, no, you're, you're, you're boiling down how a video game works from a very... It's, it's a very uh, simplified way of looking at it that, that doesn't really apply correctly. All right, I'm out of steam. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's probably a good time to, to stop it anyway. Um, thank you for discussing these serious topics with us, chat. Uh, I'm sorry that this was a very... I guess Gamergate. I, not a lot of people are still talking about Gamergate. I'm, I'm just going to be done. I'm just going to be done being ashamed of that. I mean, I am extremely ashamed of that. But I'm just going to pretend. I'm going to stop lampshading it every time I bring it up. Yeah, I, I know what like you mean. That is becoming cumbersome. Yeah, it, it just it. I don't know. But yeah, it's you don't want to give the impression that, hey, welcome to the hashtag Gamergate stream. We're going to give the lowdown on hashtag Gamergate, get the skinny on the scoop about the latest Gamergate news. So, yeah, I get how kind of qualifying it and the hand-waving there has some value, but, like, 
I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal thing, but I just get tired of having to like qualify the opinion with. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, we talk about what we want to talk about, and we wanted to talk about that, I guess. So, fuck it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll see what happens next week. This week. Whatever. Uh, see you next time. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry there's no audio version. Maybe we'll maybe we'll convert this into an audio version, too. Uh, but we just, frankly, forgot this week. But we do plan on doing that in the future, so sorry. And uh, see you next week.